Hello, hello. It's my birthday. So I'm pretty excited. It's not actually my birthday. It's my podcast birthday. Simply Smarter Numbers is turning one this week. And to celebrate, I've decided to replay some of my favorite guest interviews. Only problem is that there is just so many that I can call my favorites for so many different reasons. Lots of amazing humans that I have interviewed over the time. So it was a tough pick, but I couldn't choose one. So I've, I've, I've got three, but I'm actually going to replay them for you today, tomorrow and the next day. So keep listening every day this week for one of my favorite guests. Today's guest, well, this one was actually an easy pick and it was actually my very first ever interview Steph Taylor. This interview was actually about 12 months ago. And at that point, Steph had already smashed her annual revenue goals in just one month. And since then, I know for a fact that she has gone on to even bigger, better and greater things as she will continue to do into the future, I have no doubt. So this is by far one of my favorite podcasts, but also one of your favorite podcasts with a huge amount of downloads and outstripping everybody else that I've ever interviewed before. So it was kind of a no-brainer to start with this one. So keep listening for some Steph Taylor inspiration. If you're an ambitious business owner ready to think big, rewrite your own rules and take action to skyrocket your business know-how, your profit, your cash flow, and most importantly, your free time, then this is the podcast for you. You're listening to the Simply Smarter Numbers podcast, and I'm your host, Jen Waterson. I'm a business profit coach helping business owners just like you make more profit and take back their time. So hit subscribe now and let's dive in. Hi, Steph, and a big, huge welcome to the Simply Smarter Numbers podcast. I am super excited to have you on the show. And I've got to say, I'm really excited for two reasons in particular. One is because you're an actual business person with an amazing business brain. And I have worked that out with the conversations that we have had, Steph, over the past couple of months. And I just love these little chats that we've been having. And the second reason that I'm really excited is because you are not just another business person with a business brain, you're an actual action taker. So you get stuff done, you put in the hard yards, and now you're actually starting to see some results. So I think that this is a really good combination, going to make a great uh, recipe for a good conversation. So welcome, Steph. Thank you so much, Jen. That was such a lovely intro. I mean, no pressure or anything. (laughs) Well, look, seriously, you have had so much going on over the past few months and we're going to touch on that um, a little bit as we get into it. But before we do, for any of the listeners out there that haven't come across you before, Steph, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I'm Steph Taylor. I am a digital product launch strategist. I help entrepreneurs to launch and relaunch digital products within their business. And I also help people to launch podcasts because I feel like those go really nicely hand in hand with your digital products. So when I say digital products, I mean things like, you know, online courses, membership sites, group programs, ebooks, templates, any of those things that can be sold at scale without having to like without needing you know inputs without needing staff and yeah I mean as you would know Jen they're a very profitable way to build a business and a very 
I like to think a very calm way to build a business. Yeah, yeah. I've, and I agree. And what I love about what you've done, and look, I don't know if there are other people out there that have done what you've done, but you've really got gone super niche, like niche, niche. You know, there's a lot of people that show you how to build a course or create these things or do all of the social media stuff that goes along with it or build the funnels that go around these things. But you've just gone launch. I'm going to teach people how to launch whatever it is they need to launch. We're going to launch it. Um, And I don't know. Are there many people out there doing what you're doing? There are a few, but I don't feel like I have really many direct competitors. We all have our own way of doing things. And I think that's a really good thing because the way that I teach people to launch is quite a simple, almost laid back way of doing it. It's like the Queenslander way of launching something (laughs) versus, you know, like versus a lot of people out there who might be in the US who are more into like the really sophisticated launches with lots of moving parts. So it's, everyone has like, there's so many different styles of launching. So I don't feel like I have any direct competitors, even though there are a few people doing similar things. Yeah, great. Well, I'm gonna, I, I should just start off by saying that uh, Steph and I did a little bit of work together a few weeks ago. So yes. a few weeks ago, Steph went through one of my financial sharpshoot sessions. And what we do there is we pull your business apart. We look at your revenue streams and we consider exactly how from an activity level you can reach your financial goals. So One of the very first things we have to do in that session, of course, is to find out what those financial goals are. Yes. So we did that. We went through, worked (laughs) out Steph's financial goals for the coming 12 months. And then as timing should have it, now we're sitting here speaking on my podcast, you have completely and utterly blown those goals out of the water completely. Yeah. And... I guess what I would love for you to do is tell everybody in your words, what happened in your business to blow these goals out of the water so quickly. And then after that, we might just dig into a little bit of the how. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk. I'm happy to talk about my numbers here as well. I mean, so for context, my goal for this financial year was 300,000 in revenue and I hit that just in the month of April alone, <laughs> not the whole, not the entire financial year, just the month. I have so to that say, was pretty, when I saw like, that was there, I just thought maybe there was a typo or something <laughs> like that, you know? So it's actually really funny. I was speaking to my bookkeepers this morning and they were saying like, oh, we thought there was an error. I was like, nope, mm-hmm. it's all right. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so that happened. And what that came from basically was just one product, one $197 product teaching people how to launch a podcast. So the, this, the magical thing about this product is it doesn't require any of my time. It's yeah. a pure DIY product that somebody can go through themselves. I don't have to spend any time delivering the product and I sell it off the back of a webinar, which I run Facebook ads to. So I guess what happened around, it would have been, yeah, March, mid-March, just before everyone sort of went into lockdown and things got really serious, I started slowly scaling this product and started spending more on Facebook ads. And for every dollar I was putting into Facebook ads at that point, I was getting about $3 back in revenue, which for a product where it's not costing me anything other than the ads to deliver the product that's as long as I'm making more than a dollar for every dollar I put in, it's pure profit, right? So 
I started gradually spending more and more on my Facebook ads. And obviously, as you spend more on Facebook ads, the return on investment does start to decrease because the ads get a bit more expensive. But I was just, you know, slowly scaling it up, scaling it up. And then people went into lockdown, COVID hit. And I think what happened was a lot of people suddenly became really, really familiar with online learning. People weren't suddenly as scared to sign up for webinars. Facebook yeah. ads got cheaper. So that the combination of those two, I mean, people being less afraid to sign up for webinars and Facebook ads being cheaper meant that I was getting people into my webinar for a couple of dollars each and I was converting a huge percentage of those people into my product. So it was incredibly profitable. So as soon as I started noticing that, I thought, hmm, okay, here we go. Like, let's just keep pumping money in. And I mean, it got to, I was spending at 1.10 grand a day on Facebook ads and doubling that in revenue. And that must have made you feel a little bit sick on the inside, but excited oh, at the same time. Like, how does that make you feel? It's terrifying. So, I mean, and the way, with the way that it works, right, is you're spending that money in advance to get people in for the webinar the next day or in two days time. So there's no guarantee that you're actually going to make that money back straight away. So I could have spent 10 grand and then, you know, nobody showed up for the webinar or nobody purchased the next day or something went wrong in the tech. So there is like, there's a big element of risk there and it is really scary. And, you know, every day I just, I would go in and I'd check and be like, are they still working? Are the ads still working? Like, is this still profitable? And like, it has got to the point now where the ads are much significantly, much more expensive. So I have started scaling it back a little bit. I'm not spending 10 grand a day anymore. I'm spending, I think like seven or eight now. But like I said, as long as it's still profitable, I'll be spending that. So you reached your 12 month goal in a one month period Mm -hmm. with a product that you already had there and you had been working on and tweaking and watching over a period of time. Now I'm going to come to that in a moment, but I want to just take a couple of steps back to something that you said just before, which was kind of around the timing of your launch. So this is something that I find really interesting is there's um, a, a bit of a there's actually a TED talk out there and I cannot remember the name of the guy, but I'm going to link, I'll link it to the show notes because it's only like a six minute TED talk. And it's about the importance of timing when it comes to launching, um, you know, startup businesses or whatever it might be. And it's kind of more applies to the really big, huge things, but it's kind of the concept here that I really love when you talk about your business and what you've just achieved. So it's all about that sort of, and I'd like to ask you, Steph, how important you felt that timing was for you. But before I do, the like, for example, Airbnb were one of those businesses who were passed over, I believe, by some, you know, really uh, wealthy investors at certain points before they really came into existence. And then all of a sudden, somebody took them on. They became hugely successful really, really quickly. And they were passed over initially because people sort of said, well, who's going to let strangers come live in their house for short (laughs) periods of time. Like seriously, what is the world coming to? But of course, what then happened is the recession hits and it opens our minds. We change the way we think and we start to behave differently. And Airbnb came along and all of a sudden we're under pressure as as families that want that need to make more money and all of a sudden renting the place out for short periods of time is a really good option. So I guess that as a bit of a preface there I'm just wondering if you feel as though the timing around 
what's happened in your business is something that's quite a significant impact. Yes and no. Um, I think in terms of, like I said before, people becoming more familiar with attending webinars and then Facebook ads getting cheaper because, you know, when COVID hit, a lot of major companies, especially like travel companies, they just pulled all of their Facebook ads, which meant people were spending less on Facebook ads. Facebook kind of works on a bidding system. So if there are more people bidding to show their ads to the same people that you're trying to show your ads to, you're going to pay more for it. It's, you know, like supply and demand of ads, basically, because there is only a set amount of newsfeed space that Facebook can show those ads in. So the ads got really cheap, which, I mean, obviously made it much more profitable for me. I think also combined with the fact that people have more time. Um, People were at home, so they were a bit more flexible as to what times they could attend webinars. People. who may have lost their jobs, who are thinking, oh, you know, like I want to upskill now. A podcast would be a really great addition to my resume or maybe a podcast would be a nice way to make some money. Um, Businesses who previously would have spent money on ads and now are having to think about free ways of marketing their business like podcasting. So I think it's a combination of all of those factors. But I mean, ultimately, like this product, I had originally launched it a couple of times at the end of last year and then at the start of this year. So, and each time that I launched it, it was still profitable. So it's not like it's, it it became significantly more profitable because of COVID. So which Um, came first? Was it, were you going to launch this again at this period of time anyway? So was that always going to happen at that at that point in time or did sort of COVID oh. come and then you've just kind of gone, oh, this could be a good time or what, or was it the Facebook no, kind of? I mean, I, this is a product I just, like this, is, this was a product that I basically, it, it takes no effort for me to launch it over and yeah. over again yeah. because all I have to do is show up and deliver the webinar and now I've got it on automated. So the webinar delivers itself. So now you have to do it. And it sells for me. So now all I basically do is manage the Facebook ads and I have my VA doing customer support and it runs itself. Okay. So going to that launching. So you said you launch and you relaunch and you relaunch this same product over and over again. Tell me from a numbers perspective, what is it that you're tracking, that you're testing? What is it that you're looking Mm -hmm. at? Because I know from our previous conversations that you're a bit of a a numbers nerd as well. (laughs) Yes. Um, And you've got some spreadsheets that you use in the background. Is that right? That you track all of this? Yes. (laughs) I have an epic spreadsheet. Um, oh, let me pull up my spreadsheet because I can't, I'll, I'll forget some of the major yeah. numbers, but basically I'm, ch- I'm checking, I'm, I'm tracking every single number along the way. So I start with, okay, how many people have viewed the registration page? So get to, your for pens the webinar. and paper out people because I'm going <laughs> to listen back to this and start writing this stuff down myself. So yeah, views so, of the registration page. Yes. And actually I've had people, I've had so many people ask me for the spreadsheet as a template. I should actually really package it up and sell it because it's epic. Um, But anyway, so total number of people who viewed the webinar registration page. And if you weren't doing a webinar, if you were offering like a free ebook or something like that, instead you would track that. How many people viewed that page? How many people then opted in? So how many people registered? How many people handed over their email address? And then the percentage conversion rate there. So what percentage of people that are viewing the registration page or viewing your your freebie opt-in page are converting? 
And on its own, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, I mean, you want to aim for 50% or higher, but it really, it really depends on, you know, like what kind of traffic you're getting onto that page. So when I first, for context here, right, when I first started launching this product, I was doing it mainly to warmer audiences. So people who had interacted with me on Instagram, people who might already have been on my email list, and it was converting at around 60, 70%. Then when I started just directing people there purely from cold Facebook ads, it dropped to about 35%. Yeah, okay. Because those people aren't as high quality leads. They don't know who I am. They don't know if my masterclass is going to be any good. So that that number's more just something to track over time, really. Um, obviously, if you've got a really low conversion rate there, you probably want to look at how you can improve it. And it's one of those things where you might test and tweak different ele- different types of copy. You might test and tweak different images. You might try speeding up the page just to see if you can get that conversion percentage up. So when you um, say conversion there, Steph, are you saying mm-hmm. converting the people that are converting to sit through your masterclass webinar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this so, is kind of like stage one is we're getting mm-hmm. people from the outside world. They're coming across you on a Facebook ad or thereabouts. They're yep. landing on your sales page online. Mm-hmm. They are then clicking through, registering for your webinar, and then from there, I guess they have to, do you then measure who shows up? Because we're getting there. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're getting there. Um, but so with this, um, with the registration and conversion there, a lot of people get very fixated on getting more people onto the registration page. So they might spend more money on Facebook ads to get people onto the registration page which, you know, will get more people registered. But another way to get more people registered is to increase that conversion percentage rather than just focusing on getting more people onto the page. Yeah. So once you've got the total number, once you've got the people who've registered, then we want to look at how many people attended your webinar live. So how many people showed up when they said they were going to show up? And this is always lower than you think it's going to be. It's usually around 20%. Um, if it's a warm audience, you might get, you know, 35, 40% is really good. But like, that's cool because 20% of people who show up, like that's still really good. Then we want to look at how many people of those who showed up, how many people purchased while they were in that webinar room. And that's okay. usually only going to be about 10% of the people who showed up live in a really good webinar. Yeah. And a okay. lot of, this is where a lot of people think like, oh, like, you know, I only sold two courses out of my webinar and it's like well but you only had you know 10 people who showed up live that's a 20% conversion rate that's awesome pretty good Mm. yeah so then you know okay you need to get more people to show up live which means you need to get more people registered which means you need to either improve that registration conversion rate or get more people onto the registration page. Exactly, but it's not until you've actually got those numbers there in front of you because I'm guessing that during that process, I recently uh, did a profit masterclass myself and went through a very that exact same process. I didn't actually sell anything off the back of it. I just wanted to have a go at this sort of thing. And what I did was, well, during the time when you're actually going through it all, it's kind of really busy, particularly the first time because you're setting up the sales Mm -hmm. page for the first time. You're setting up, everything's brand new and it's just like insane and all your your marketing. (laughs) It's (laughs) hard work the first time. I'm sure that gets easier and easier every time. But 
what you can then do is if you've got those numbers sitting there in front of you, you can have a look at them and say, well, hang on a minute. I got um, 100 people came to my sales page, but only 10 people registered from that Mm. sales page. So that's a really, that's a bad rate. Yeah. So we need to then go, okay, well, how do we rejig the sales page? And then we just do that each layer down. Exactly. And so what I, what I always do is if I'm tweaking and testing things, I will usually only change one thing at each layer. So I won't change 10 different things on my sales page at the same time. I'll change one thing on my sales page. I might change um, one thing in my pre-webinar emails to get more people to shop live. And I might change like one thing in my sales pitch in the webinar because we've got different metrics for all three of those things. So you can see what's affecting what. Whereas if I went and changed 10 things on my, on my registration page at the same time, I wouldn't know whether it was the new image or the new copy or the fact that the button was green and not what's red. That, yeah, 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 exactly. Mm, yeah, so yeah, great. only doing a few things at a time. Um, and then I guess the other number that we would look at is, you know, total number of sales overall. So just because people didn't show up to your webinar doesn't mean they're not interested in what you have to sell them. So you still want to keep marketing to people after that webinar has happened. Yeah. And just you follow up emails or whatever, correct. whatever it is that you yeah. suggest. I'm sure you'll have a, some sort of <laughs> launch guide there for people. But <laughs> Yeah. Usually, you know, usually like five days of follow up emails and people are like, oh, so I email them twice in the five days. I'm like, no, you email them like almost twice a day for five days because yeah. those people are really hot leads. They've told you they are interested. And if you're, you're already selling them, all the hard yards, so yeah, yeah need to exactly make the most. And that. if you're selling, if you're selling them something that solves a problem for them, you're actually doing them a favor by emailing them twice a day because they're not going to see two emails a day from you. They're going to see like that one email on day five after you've already closed the cart, after you've closed the doors. And then they're going to be like, Oh my God, I missed this. Is it too late? Can I enroll now? Yeah, <laughs> it always happens. Right. And, and it's, it's such, like, Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> you've, you've just got 10 emails. <laughs> yeah. But they so don't you're actually that. doing them a favor. You're doing them a massive favor by telling them about it. And I think a lot of people get really scared. They're like, oh, I don't want to be salesy and I don't want to annoy people. If you're annoying somebody, it's very easy for them to hit unsubscribe. And if they, you know, if they're interested in what you do and what you sell, they're not going to unsubscribe. Yeah. And if they do, don't take it personally because it wasn't you. Um, So then I guess, yeah, the, the main number we want to look at then is how many sales did you make overall and what percentage of all the people who registered was that? So... Sorry, so you, you get all of this information together per launch. So you class one mm-hmm. launch as I, I'm putting up a sales page today or I'm, I'm putting out some Facebook ads today right through to that sort of five days after or whenever it is you kind of, do you yep. open, close your carts sort of thing? Or um, is it- I used to, not for this product anymore. Um, this one now is ongoing. So now I just track these numbers every week. Yeah, okay. So with... So these numbers, all of these numbers that you're talking about now, you obviously just, it would be like second nature to you now to have these numbers. What is it? A little, was it harder to get into it to start with or, um, or were you not interested? Re- I, I find it very interesting because the numbers, yes, the numbers itself don't mean much themselves and like you would know this Jen like it's about what you do with those numbers and how you use them to guide your decisions yeah um so like when I jump in and review it every week I'm like okay so what's working well 
what's not working well, um, what am I going to tweak this week? What did I tweak last week? What were the results from tweaking that? Exactly. And it actually, it becomes like a game. It's like, oh, let's see, let's try this new headline and see if that gets us a better result than the previous It's almost exciting then when you can see the numbers fall out the other side and you go, oh, that worked. That was a bit of fun. (laughs) Yeah. And so you would then say, like, could you see yourself being in the position that you are today if not for, you know, for not recording these numbers and being quite so thorough, could you see yourself? Yeah, you couldn't see. No way. No way. Your listeners can't see me shaking my head. No, I need to remember that. No, she is doing a big shake of the head. (laughs) Definitely not because, I mean, without knowing, if I wasn't sure, like, for every dollar, if I didn't know that for every dollar I was putting into ads, I was making $2 back, no way would I want to put 10 grand a day into ads because then you're just winging it, right? It was only once I knew that consistently these ads were delivering me the right people, my webinar was converting, my sales page was converting, people were buying and it was profitable. It was only once I had tested that many, many times that I had that confidence to support spending that much money on ads. Yeah. No, that's, it's a, it's a really interesting story. And there's a lot of people out there who, I guess when you're in the world of launching and webinars and, and all of those sorts of good things, if you're in that world, then it's, it's sort of like you can see them everywhere, but if you're not in that world and a lot of my listeners would not be in that world yet. And I think it's really interesting to just break it right down just to really get a feel and an understanding of what is available out there and what you can do, what you can launch and those little products or ideas, different things, whether they're digital or otherwise, the things that you think you might want to tack on to your business to help perhaps at some point make your business a little bit more, um, get a little bit more of a, I'm going to say passive income, you know, that Mm -hmm. type of thing, then it's really good to know that these sort of things are out there. And I should say as well, when it comes to, no, actually, I'm going to save that question to the end about the whole passive income thing. (laughs) Before we, I want to jump into your evergreen funnel now and just have a bit of a talk about your evergreen funnel. What is that? Just a really, you know, in a couple of words, what is an evergreen funnel and how that has changed now what you're doing in your business? Yeah. So the evergreen funnel is this ongoing selling of the podcast launch plan. So the automated webinar, I've run ads to this, the registration page, people register for the automated webinar and then they purchase off that. So that's what the evergreen funnel is. And I mean, that is, it's just running itself in the background. So it's, I'm not required to be there live launching it each time because I I like, I love doing live webinars, but if I was to do you know, one or two a day, every day, I would never get any other work done. Like I'm an introvert. So if I do a webinar in the morning, I'm exhausted for the rest of the day. Yeah. And yeah, it like, does. It can take it, it out of you, can't you? I mean, you it can. everything into it and yeah. it doesn't come necessarily naturally. I'm, I'm an introvert myself. So I get mm-hmm. what you mean by that. It does can be quite mentally draining at the end. Yeah. And then throw in, you know, time zones. Um, there's a limit of how many people can show up in the room live. And it kind of, it, it really limits the amount of people that you can teach. Yeah. Okay. And whereas if it's automated, you can, like I've taught over 65,000 people in my automated webinars That's and amazing. I would not, yeah, but I would not be able to teach 65,000 people in live webinars. 
Yeah, I mean, really my room, my webinar time. room, yeah, my webinar room is capped at 500 people. So I'd have to do, you know, 130, I think, 130 live webinars to teach that many people. Yeah. And it's just and not doable. It's and not. This is where I guess it starts. We start to um, then talk about, so what impact does this really have on your lifestyle? So for people out there that are thinking about, okay, this sounds really exciting, the idea of... Um, putting something in place that does allow that little bit more of passive income to sort of mm. come into the business. Maybe it'll complement something that you're doing in a one-to-one capacity, whatever your purposes, what is it that, um, how, how do you think that affects your lifestyle? Like, is it really as passive as we make it sound as we kind of think it is? Mm, that's a really good question. It's, it is and it isn't. It's passive because I'm not having to show up and sell every day. But that's so, only now that you've gone onto this evergreen yes. funnel. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I've, like, I live launched it many, many times first as well. So this is the thing, right? A lot of people think like, oh, I'm just going to you know, create this product and set it up automated from the beginning. But you need to live launch it before you can do that because live launching it, you learn, you know, you learn the questions that your audience has, you learn what's converting, what's not converting. You show up with a lot more energy than if it's pre-recorded. So you don't want to ever just go straight into selling a, you know, an automated evergreen product. Um, but so the selling part is yes, passive, but then there's all of the other stuff in the back end that's not. And I was prior to going evergreen, I was doing all of my customer service myself. And then it was only once I started selling it at scale where I realized, oh my God, I don't have the bandwidth to be spending two hours a day replying to people's emails. Yeah, I actually just listened to your podcast. So at the time of recording, you yeah. had a, is, was it the podcast that came out today or yesterday? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. But yesterday, I was yeah. just listening to that one and you said this about the customer service and the whole scaling thing. So perhaps it might be just interesting to touch on that just slightly, that mm. whole, you know, when you scale up the good, you also scale up the bad. Ooh, yes. That is an <laughs> interesting point. I, so if there anybody out there that's listening that doesn't listen to Steph's podcast at this point, um, Steph, just tell everybody, you know, in case they... Don't actually hang around to the end. The name of your podcast and where they can find it. Yeah, it's called Socialette and you can find it in all the podcast apps, but you can also find it at stephtaylor.co forward slash podcast. Yeah, it's a really great one to get onto. So scaling and I hadn't really ever considered exactly that. Do you need to? Well, no, no, no. It's just the postie. Oh, okay. (laughs) He can leave my parcel outside. Um, No. So when you scale, you are, yeah, you are scaling the problems as well. So if you think about it, if you have a checkout page that maybe once every, or maybe one in every hundred times somebody lands on it, the page breaks or the page comes up with an error. It's a bit glitchy. That's fine. Yeah, if you've got 100 people and it's just one person who's getting that error, that's only one person's customer support question you're going to have to deal with. If you've got 1,000 people, that's 10 customer support queries. If you've got 100,000 people, you know, that's 1,000 customer support queries. I don't know if I've done the numbers (laughs) right there. It's a lot. (laughs) So it's really like you need to get those things ironed out when you're still just launching to small audiences because it's a lot easier to fix it when it's a small problem than when it becomes a big problem and when you have other things, other priorities. 
So yeah, iron, iron out the kinks as early on as you can. <laughs> Get your customer support delegated to somebody else before it starts scaling and before it becomes a monster. Um, other things like comments on Facebook ads, like I wish I had, you know, I wish I'd come up with some, I, 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 this is something I still haven't delegated to my VA because I just haven't thought of a smart way to do it. But, you know, it's all these little things that you don't think about that end up becoming big problems down the track. And I guess that just comes with that such um, scaling at such speed as well, isn't Mm. it? You know, I guess you just didn't, even though, you know, those things are there when you do scale at speed, that's just one of the, one of the things that comes along with it. There is no hiding from the fact that you can't have everything (laughs) perfect. Um, I guess you're working so hard to get that scaling, you know, to scale that business, to get that growth that you can, Mm. it's easy to just... Uh, ignore those things, not ignore them necessarily, but just know that you'll get to it one day. Yeah. And it's like, they're not particularly glamorous things to fix. And you you also like, I think when you're at the smaller numbers, you might be a bit averse to outsourcing the customer service because you're like, well, you know, why do I want to lose some of my profit to somebody else who's going to do it for me? But it's so much easier getting somebody trained up to do it for when you do scale so that you don't have to train them up when you've already got, you know, 300 emails waiting in your customer support inbox and you're stressed about that. And then you're stressed about having to train somebody to deal with them as well. (laughs) Yeah. It just becomes a bit too much all of a sudden, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So get onto that stuff early. (laughs) Great, great advice. So stepping back to the evergreen funnel do you track things? Do you track the same numbers there? Is, is there any kind yeah. of difference in what you're doing that with that one? So instead of tracking it per launch, I track it on a weekly basis is yeah. the only difference. Um, I track the same numbers. I tweak things each week now rather than like on a per launch basis. So every Monday morning I look at my numbers and I think, okay, what am I going to tweak this week? And then, you know, I schedule that in with my tasks for the week and get that done and then look at it again the next Monday. Yeah, so that's like really that. the only difference. Yeah. Every Monday thing. So it's about be, being regular and committing mm-hmm. a certain time of your week, like a, a, a part of your week, whatever is going to suit you. It's about committing that time to finding out what those actual, what those numbers are. So I guess the first step is knowing which important numbers, sorry, which numbers are important to you and whatever it is that you're doing as a business owner. So the numbers that we spoke about today, they're just like a a handful of numbers in a big, huge pool of numbers. So it's about finding (laughs) which numbers are really important to you and which numbers that if you monitor them and if you change the um, activity at a base level of what you're doing in your business on a day-to-day basis, if you can impact them and change them and increase them, knowing that that then gives you a particular result at the end of the day. So if you're not launching uh, digital products via webinars or whatever, these, these numbers are still super important, but they just go with whatever it is you're doing in your business, in your daily life, you know? So Exactly. And it's that like I, yeah, like I, um, I could then go and test, I could say, well, let me see if I put the product price up $25, is that going to impact my conversion rate or is that going to be beneficial to like the overall profit that I'm making? I don't, I couldn't tell you that off the top of my head, but with the numbers that I've got, I can say, okay, I've got something I can actually compare it to from last week and previous weeks versus this week onwards. And then I know. And all of a sudden you're making really smart, 
business decisions based exactly. on those numbers. Exactly. Just like that. So it all comes <laughs> back to numbers, people. <laughs> yes, even if they aren't exciting. I mean, I know you make them a lot more fun than some people do, that's for sure. But I know a lot, a lot of people are really scared of the numbers. And I think once you start to get familiar with them and get comfortable with them, they're not that bad. I think so. And I think there's like uh, a little bit of people get a bit frightened because they don't really know what it is that they need to be looking at because there is so Mm. many numbers out there and you don't need to know everything in your business. You don't need to know every last detail, every last number. You just need to know what's important for you in your business at the time that, you know, with whatever you're doing in your business for that month, that quarter, that year, whatever those numbers are that you need to be focusing on, once you know them, then it becomes really easy to just start recording them and yeah and looking at them on a regular basis so yeah all of a sudden things start to change we 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 sell more or we can make more profit or life gets a little bit easier because we yes. we're tweaking and changing the things that we do so Steph I have to say that I am really uh, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us today it's been a I've been really excited to have sort of watched this journey that you've gone on over the past short period of time. And I would probably just, my next question to you would be where to next for Steph Taylor? (laughs) Like what happens now? Oh, I love this question because I've been very much, I mean, like, Literally, like this product that I've created, right, it was an accident, not an accident, but it was like, a, oh, let me just throw this together and see if people buy it kind of product. And that's, it's kind of funny because I feel like that's how I've built most of my business. So, I mean, what's happening next? What, what I've planned to do next, which could still change, is I'm launching a digital product creation product. So teaching people how to create a digital product is my next thing. And then in a couple of months time, I'm launching a membership for people who have a digital product that want to launch it and relaunch it and, you know, relaunch it and test it and tweak it and get good at and turn into these the numbers and thing? Is that the strategy. And then, well, no, so that not the evergreen, that's going to be another product further in the future. Okay, right. yep. <laughs> One thing at a time. Um, because I think I really do believe that you have to live launch and relaunch and relaunch over and over again before you can put it into evergreen because you really need to get those things ironed out work out your strategy. I guess it also comes back to what you just said. You said that you have um, not necessarily, you haven't come into the business world with your podcast course saying, I'm going to teach people how to build a podcast from scratch. And this is, this is what I'm going to sell to the world. You have done other things previously and Mm -hmm. the podcast, this thing that you have come up with now that has, that has um, given you the success that you've got this is the thing that has come because people have wanted it rather than you wanting to push it out there. It's people saying I want it. Is that, is that fair to assume? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I have for like four years before launching this product, I created things that I thought people wanted and then wondered why they wouldn't sell. And then with this product, I created what people asked me for and it sold. And I was like, Oh, it's that and, easy. And I guess okay. that's something that you do going forward in your, um, in the other digital courses that you're, that you're doing and mm. you're saying, you know, you need to do these live launches over and over again. Well, you need to do them so you do get that feedback so you can make things a bit better. So you can Correct. tweak and change and, and in the end, you're selling an, an amazing product that you can then some point down the track evergreen. So, yeah. 
Exactly. Love it. Love it, Steph. Thank you so much. I would I'll ask you to just tell people where they can find you. I know you said earlier, but just if you could just let yeah. us know if there's anything that they can download perhaps that they might be able to sort of, you know, take what you're talking about a little bit further, then mm-hmm. yeah, let us know. Yeah, sure. So you can find me over at stephtaylor.co. That's my website. I'm also stephtaylor.co on Instagram. You can find my podcast, Socialette, in all of the podcast apps and stephtaylor.co forward slash podcast. And I have a free digital product kickstart kit. So if you're thinking of starting to create some sort of digital product in your business, whether that's going to be an online course or, you know, even just a little ebook or something like that, that will help to get those ideas out of your head and onto paper so you can actually start creating it. So you can grab that from stephtaylor.co forward slash kit. Perfect. I'm looking forward to it. I'll have to go and download that myself. I yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Steph, for being such a wonderful guest. It was great to have you here. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what happens for Steph Taylor next. Thank you so much, Jen. This has been fun. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Simply Smarter Numbers. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get new shows every week. And I'd love to hear from you. Come and join the conversation online. You'll find Simply Smarter Numbers on Instagram, Facebook, and more. Just head to simplysmarternumbers.com and you'll find all that you need there. Simply Smarter Numbers is dedicated to you getting the results that you deserve in your business. And I'm honored that you tuned in.